my student told me a really good joke the other day. You want to hear it? No. <laughs> um, there, I got it. I got uh, it. Where does a general put his armies? Uh, are we supposed to actually guess the answer? Yes. No. <laughs> uh, where? In his sleeveys. What? I don't get it. From Threadbare Studios in wonderful New York City, welcome to Cue the Music, the podcast of queer musicians chatting with queer musicians. We are your hosts, Katie and Shia, and we are joined today by Mayor Berger. Hello. So I met Mayor... A little over a year ago, I think. I first came across you on Tinder, (laughs) as queers in New York City tend to do. (laughs) And I remember my thought being, as looking through our mutual friends, I was like, wait, we have, like, queer people in our mutuals, but also, like, classical academic music folk. And there's just as many of them. I was like, I need to know this person. Like, this is super cool. I love this intersection of people. And then... Lo and behold, Dr. Susan Davis had invited us both to speak independently at a music education symposium at Queens College in spring of 2017. So we both got to meet in person there and kind of spent the day together and to an extent got to watch each other's talks at that symposium. And from there, we've kind of grown our friendship i've gotten to perform on your show the moon show which we'll talk about and you've performed on my show and it's been really great getting to know you what i'd like to start with is your journey through music because i know you now as i would describe you as kind of a folksy singer songwriter however you have a really robust background in academic music and jazz studies And your shift from one to the other, I think, is really interesting. So I'd love to hear you talk about just what your musical journey has been. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've been playing the piano since I was three. So that's almost 34 years. In two weeks, it'll be 34 years. Um, So, yeah, the piano has just always been kind of like my first language. Sometimes it's more comfortable to play that than to speak English. (laughs) Forget words easily. And yeah, I studied jazz piano, which I was like always just really pulled in by Ella Fitzgerald and just like the idea of the spontaneity in music. Um, And I loved it, but I also, it was uncomfortable in a lot of different ways studying jazz in college. One being at the time I identified as a woman, not non-binary, and it was like there, there were five undergrad women or six was the only pianist. It was really hard. And I think that for a while kind of colored my experience of jazz um, and eventually turned me off from it just because it's so male-dominated. And, yeah, I got I got pulled in to jazz by Ella Fitzgerald, this amazing singer, and eventually I left it to sing. So I think I did always want to be a singer but was afraid. And piano... Playing just piano felt a little bit less vulnerable. What inspired you to create The Moon Show? This being a a concert series you've done in Brooklyn over the years. 
I performed on it sometime in the last year. And it's a really... So I've, I've performed there and I've attended as a strict audience member as well. And it's, I've been impressed with a few things with that show. I like the intentional community of it. It's a show that when people show up early, everyone is getting to know each other and being very friendly and cordial because a lot of shows we go to you show up early and you're waiting outside the door or you're just sitting in your seat reading a program not really getting to know the people around you but you've somehow created this environment where everyone is just there to be with one another and the actual performance is much the same it's it feels very very intimate like I'm in someone's home getting to know them and we're really sharing our art with other people and I really admire that about your show and there are really no other shows I've been to that are so friendly and intimate and community-centric. Oh that's so great to hear thank you. You're welcome. The Moon Show originated for so many different reasons but um, definitely community has always been so important for me and that's how I've grounded myself in the city because the city is constantly changing and so chaotic and so easily to feel isolated and especially as an artist and musician having people that you connect with monthly and you share your artwork or you support their artwork I think is really the only way to survive as an artist you know there's like all these other external things that people do as artists like book gigs and that rely on that rely on um, the outside world a lot that isn't so much rooted in just community and connection. And for me, I think I am more excited about writing music and sharing music when it's when it's just about a share, not about a performance. And the people who are in the audience will eventually be the performers someday and we're all just there holding space for each other's artistic processes and like checking in like oh how's your journey going this month but um it also originated because I was just really sick of the male-dominated jazz scene that I was in I was in jazz and then I moved I was playing world music for a while and then I moved to this really awesome experimental music community and I was writing experimental compositions but again it was very male-dominated at the time I think it's changed a lot since I left it, but um, I was just, you know, even though the music was really stretching my ears and kind of blowing my conception of what music is and my musical paradigm, I still was like, ah, but this is still white supremacy, you know? Like, the music is outside the box, but the identities, or just the the world isn't, the, the micro world. So I decided to create a different kind of world in the context of a performance series. And that was The Moon Show, featuring marginalized artists, queer and trans people, and people of color, and, and other underrepresented voices. What happened to The Moon Show? It was, it had a long run. It was about five or six years. And we had a grant for three years, which was incredible, because then we could pay artists and musicians. And I think that the one thing was that if I were to do it again, I would start it off with a group of people 
running it instead of just me. I had people help and, you know, each, it was definitely a community event. And so people were invested and it wasn't just me, you know, being like the leader of this, of this thing. But in terms of the organizing and um, setting up and cleaning up at the end, it was kind of, it fell on me and it just became unsustainable. And I tried to change it into more of a collective, but I think that it's important to start as a collective. But I mean, it was, I did it for so many years. It just, I just got tired. <laughs> but the community still exists. And I, every now and then I have, um, I call them moon shares now at my house, which is just a more casual version of the moon shower. It's a potluck and people bring any art of any medium, like a song, a poem, a painting. You could just, you know, bring the painting to the living room and then we all just kind of support and give feedback if wanted or just kind of listen to what people are sharing. So having been in and out of many things in music coming into the jazz world and leaving it, being a pianist primarily and then supplementing that with singing, starting the moon show and then ending it. There's a lot of cycles in this, which I'm really intrigued to hear if you have any specific thoughts on. And also, especially with the moon show, it sounds like, and it could probably be for other things as well, but there might have been some degree of burnout. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, what are your thoughts uh, as a musician to deal with burnout? Have mm -hmm. you felt you know, what's it like experiencing it? Do you know when you're coming to that point? How do you deal with it before, during, and after? Mm. Burnout in the musical process or burnout just in general? Kind of both. Yeah. I think they can have intertwined answers or or each their own. Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I'm, besides being a pianist, I was a composer for a while, and then I turned more into a songwriter, which, you know... The distinction is <laughs> very, uh, it's a thin line, and I, but I did burn out as a composer, and now I'm recently trying to integrate it into my songwriting. I'm writing a song cycle with a string quartet, and I'm being really conscious to be balanced about it this time, because I think composition could be really heady and isolating, and when I wrote this big piece for strings about four and a half years ago or five years ago I had a, like a little bit of a breakdown afterwards because of all the time I was spending in my head imagining the sounds so now when I'm writing for strings I actually I'm just making sure that I don't do it for more than a couple hours every day and that I balance it with a lot of extroverted activities like I'm simultaneously taking an improv comedy class and I signed up for the class specifically because I knew it would be the perfect complement to composing it's like the the antithesis of composition you know it's like the most extroverted and spontaneous thing you could do and composition can be so decision oriented and you know just in your head um wondering what to do in each moment and improv comedy is just like being reckless and not caring. So I, I'm trying to be conscious of being balanced, but it's really hard. So since you've mentioned, we've talked about cycles before, and this is a recurring theme, I know that you have a song cycle or a series of works that all pertain to the cycles of the moon. And I'm really, really intrigued 
about what creating this has been like because I know since I've met you, this has been something you've talked about. So what has it been like harvesting and nurturing this project over many, many moons? And what what is significant about it? What What's the correlation with the moon and the cycles? And like, I know you have a lot to say about this. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to hear it all again. Yeah, it's been a very long-term project. I mean, I've been influenced by the moon for a really long time, like seven years. I often will write a song on the full moon because something about the full moon keeps me up. There's this thing called full moon insomnia, and I have it. It's real. <laughs> um, but for the past year, I knew that I wanted to make a collection of songs, all with the theme of remembering and forgetting. And I think the moon is such an amazing presence in my life. And such it's almost like my spirituality is the moon and its phases. Um, because the moon is always full, and that's what my song cycle is called. But we only will see a part at a time. And for me, that's something that I really try to practice in my life, in my meditation practice, is if I'm in one one mind, if I'm depressed or if I'm sad or if I'm anxious, trying to remember that that's just one part, that the rest of me is still there. Um, so it's been incredibly healing. I was actually talking about the moon is always full to my therapist. And she's like, oh, that's just like object constancy. And I was like, mm-hmm. what's that? <laughs> and she's like, you know, when... You, when you're dealing with when you're a baby and your mom leaves the room, you know that your mom still exists. And I was like, oh, because that is what I've been struggling with my whole life. The fear of abandonment and just like not knowing for sure that someone is still there if they're not with me. And I didn't realize that I had been healing that through my song cycle. I thought I thought it was just about the moon and I thought it was about remembering the whole and not getting lost in a part. And so it was really nice to it was just it was just kind of this huge revelation when my therapist mentioned that because I was like, oh, I guess I guess that's the main theme of my song cycle is just remembering even when you can't see something to remember it and to feel its presence, which is which is a little bit like faith, I guess, you know, but for me, my faith is centered around the moon. <laughs> I def I, I myself have dealt with and am currently dealing with abandonment. Um, and I think that's like a childhood trauma I carry around. And you talk about working through that with your music. Could you go into more detail on that? Sure. So, um, well, each of the songs represent, there are eight main phases of the moon. So there are eight songs and each of the songs have a little bit of a different theme to it, but each song has a chorus, which I'm thinking about more like a mantra than a chorus. And it's something that at the time when I wrote it, it was incredibly healing. And throughout the day, like even, you know, many months after writing it, I'll think of one of the mantras when I need it. So the first song is called Even When We Forget. And it's the song that correlates with the new moon. And the mantra in that song goes, even when we forget we are, we are. Even when we forget we are, we are. And I'll just say that over and over in my head so many times um, for healing and for meditation. And so each of the songs has a moment like that. Um, the, the next song is about remembering to have space in a relationship. So 
That mantra is, watch me as you watch the moon. Give me space to disappear. I'll wax and wane, but never leave. I'll stay the same, but always change. Step away, step away, my dear. So they all have moments like that. And the mantras have been incredibly helpful. I, you know, I've been writing songs for a while that are really emotional and personal, but this song cycle is really special and different in a lot of different ways. All the songs aren't about heartbreak for once, <laughs> which before 90% of my songs were. I mean, I've written a lot of political songs too. Oh, yeah. But these current ones just feel like a, a way to become whole, a way to heal. I'm, I've been writing a lot. Um, I'm kind of writing simultaneously a memoir of sorts. I'm using quotation marks because sometimes it sounds pretentious to say <laughs> I'm writing a memoir, but it's about um, transitioning from woman to non-binary and that experience. And so I've been writing that, writing pages and pages every day, and the songs have been extracted from that. Just all of this wondering. And that memoir is called Becoming Whole. Um, and so, like, we're always whole even when we feel like we're broken and we feel like we're only in one part. And then also, maybe we are never whole, you know? So going off of that thread and perhaps moving away from music to the other part of what this show all entails is what what has your journey through gender been like? Because I know that's something you've been talking and writing a lot about lately. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like I've been extra, It's my journey has been extra slow compared to other people who are more ambiguous and more uncertain, more confusing. But, you know, it's not like you always talk to people about their doubts and their process. You know, you just hear like, oh, that's their identity. You don't, you don't hear so much about how they got there. Um, but for me, it's been really terrifying. And I finally, just last week came out on Instagram as non-binary and that was the first time I announced it on social media. I've been telling friends, I've been telling people in person just because I thought it would be better to do it in person. But it's, so it feels like an incredible feat that that happened and that I'm finally claiming who I am. And yeah, it's been, it's been slow. I, for most of my childhood and most of my adult life would disassociate a lot and you know, when I was growing up, because I'm not a millennial, <laughs> when I was growing up, <laughs> trans awareness was just not a thing. I didn't really know that, that that was an option. I didn't know that you could feel dysphoric in your body. I knew that I always felt uncomfortable in my body. And I've always felt, I've always kind of had pain issues, but I never really knew that there could be an explanation or just like a way to feel better. And once I started to meet more and more non-binary people, I realized that that is what I'm experiencing. It's just being in between not feeling male or female. And more and more, I'll like start to present more like that, whatever that really means. <laughs> more on what things mean to you. What does queer mean to you? Queer is a home for me. Um, I think when I finally 
entered the queer community, I could be myself and I could have like this different kind of life and and it was okay. And there are so many other people that have similar lives to me that I feel, I don't know, I feel recognized, I feel held. It is definitely, you know, political. It's definitely um, a way of thinking. It's a paradigm. But yeah, I guess I see it more as a community. And, and saying I'm queer and like hearing when other people are queer, I'm like, okay, so we, we agree on some values, maybe some political mm-hmm. values, maybe some yeah. ways to treat each other. And I don't know. And I don't know if this is necessarily queer, but I, I really feel like it's so important to not be caught in the couple paradigm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily even polyamorous. I'm just, I just don't want to like get caught just being with one person all the time and having a nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And I'm really more about like, oh, let's break down these fences between houses and have this huge farm where all the neighbors will share, you know, it just makes more sense. I think that we, I definitely would be happier living in a world like that. And I think a lot of people get depressed because they're too isolated and even by either they're by themselves or they're just with their significant other and their family. And they just get like lost in this narrow little world. That's just your house. And I think that being queer defies that. I, I, I hope it does. And I wanted to, you know, and I I definitely connect with people who are thinking more like that, who are more community oriented and and that's why like oftentimes queer people are more political because it's like thinking outside of your life and thinking about how your actions are affecting other people and who's being oppressed and who's being marginalized. And I think that also means like just not getting lost in a little bubble. So maybe queer is breaking bubbles, <laughs> popping <laughs> bubbles. I don't know. When was the point where you, or was there a moment when you were like, I actually am non-binary? Mm-hmm. Or has it been little moments here and there? Um, and then what was the decision behind telling people in person versus just like, I'm non-binary on Instagram and et cetera? Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been really slow and... It's been kind of like a two-year process, I think. I mean, all my life, like I was saying, I felt uncomfortable in my body, really, really uncomfortable with my breasts, particularly. And I just didn't know what it meant. And there were little moments. I remember there was, it wasn't the Women's March, but there was some kind of like Women's Day protest that was after the Women's March. And I just remember being like, wait, but I'm not a woman. I was going to go. And that was the first time I kind of really said it to myself. And yeah, so then I just kind of slowly would tell people, but, you know, the world just constantly saw me in this binary way and would say she and everyone, even like people that I told, because I told some friends that aren't, you know, super versed with they, them, or not in the queer trans world which I'm I have a lot of I don't like just stay in a queer trans bubble you know I really have a lot of friends from all over and I think it's it's difficult for people to break out of the paradigm and so for a while it was feeling like I couldn't do it and that it was too hard and I don't know 
I was like terrified to tell my family, just terrified to tell everyone. I haven't, there's still like a lot of people in my life that don't know. I know so many people, you know, I'm like, okay, so I announced on Instagram so that those people know and all the other people, but then there's like <laughs> all these other people and I've just been trying to, you know, just put it in casually in conversations and everyone is so accepting. Um, and I think people are going to get better at the they, them pronouns. Not everyone is good at it first. And I want to have patience. I, w- I want to create an environment that doesn't feel like uh, fe- that doesn't create fear because I think that a lot of people don't do the pronouns because they get like really scared. So that's just something that I've been thinking about is that I do want to like create just with myself. Like that's just not what I'm not thinking about what other people do, but just with myself and like my parents, like trying to create like a softer patient. Um, but then also being like, this is me, this, these are my pronouns, but, um, I don't want them to be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and why did I do it in person first for mm-hmm. a while? I think it, it was partly fear. I think, you know, I've been writing this memoir about transitioning for a year or more. And I just think for me, something so huge as becoming a different person in a way um, felt like it needed to happen really slowly. And especially because I struggle a lot with my memory and my past and which has a lot to do with the fact that I was disassociating. I was really afraid to lose my past and to lose Marielle and to lose like all the people connected to Marielle. And so I was kind of like riding the line for the while where I was like, I'm non-binary, but I guess, I don't know, every now and then I could be a woman, you know, where I can, like, still be Marielle. And um, now I'm just realizing that I have to let go and I have to mourn Marielle and I have to, it's like a a huge loss. I have to grieve her in order to feel whole and move forward in my life in more comfortable in my body. So are there any shows coming up that you're looking forward to? And are there any shows of yours coming up that you would like the audience to know about? Yeah, what's cooking? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm really excited about the premiere of my song cycle with the string quartet. And that's June 25th, 8pm at Three's Brewery in Brooklyn. It's in the Gowanus area. So, yeah, I've been, you know, writing everything for a year, working on the string parts for the past four months, which has been challenging. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about the song that you're going to play, though? Yeah, if if you could tell us about a little bit about what, what was the motivation behind it and, yeah. Sure. Well, this is number five in the song cycle. It's When the Moon is Full. And it was the one that was missing. I've been waiting for it for a while. And, um... I actually wrote it when there was a full moon. Um, it was inspired by the death of David Buckle, who is a pretty famous LGBTQ lawyer and starter of a compost program in Brooklyn. And he committed self-immolation in the park, and it was the news was just really horrifying. I didn't know him personally. I know some people that worked on a farm with him. And I 
yeah, I really struggle with grief and loss, which I imagine most people do. And the way that I've always healed when I lose someone in my life is through gardening, through writing songs too, of course, but I feel like gardening is a really good metaphor because compost starts with ashes and dead material, and then you use that to create new plants. So I actually went to the park, to the site where um, the self-immolation happened, and I planted sunflower seeds with a friend. And it felt like a really strong ritual to do, to dig into this earth, that death where there was death and where there was so much pain and trauma and to not only like heal the earth, but just to heal the energy around and to heal hopefully the community. And sunflowers have always been a really important plant for me. So I did that and then had been that idea of planting seeds and ashes and actually like touching the ash. You know, I, I just really was there and I was facing, facing death and looking at it and touching it, which it, that doesn't, doesn't happen a lot. It was really intense. Um, and then soon after, I had a really horrible friend breakup. And, um, and we ended things on the full moon. And, and in the moon cycle, when there's a full moon, you're supposed to release something from your life. And when there's a new moon, you set intentions for things to bring in. So it felt kind of it was really painful but it also felt like okay this is the time I am supposed to let him go this is a full moon and there's this thought that you know something will return but in a different form just like when you burn something and you have the ashes the ashes then create a new plant but maybe maybe there's something of the original plant still there and so part of me is just really hoping that in the future I'll still be able to have some kind of friendship with this person because he was like one of the most important people in my life. Um, and so there was just a lot of thinking about that. And the song just talks about David Buckle and wondering why he couldn't have, his letter to the world was a protest letter about climate change. And I wish he had said something about his pain. And I talk about that in the song and like, why couldn't he have shared his pain and I think that's the only way to get through life is to share your pain with other people and to hear and to listen to others and to know that you're not alone, that we're journeying together and we're holding each other and we have to hold each other. But the only way to hold each other is if we share it and we know what we're going through. And on that, we will cue the music.
Cue the Music is produced by Katie Bishop and Shia Cardona, with mixing and engineering help from Tom Lee and Justin Tricarico, and show music composed by Katie Bishop. This show is recorded at Threadbare Music in beautiful Long Island City in Queens, New York. You can find Shia online at patriciacardonaflute.wordpress.com and on Instagram at queerflota2018. Katie can be found at thequeercomposer.com and on Instagram at femkatie. Be sure to check out Threadbare Music at threadbaremusic.com and on Instagram at threadbaremusicnyc. Our guest this show is Mayor Berger, and you can find them on Instagram at Mayor Moonsong. Their website is marielberger.com, and they're on Facebook as Mayor Berger. Check out our show notes for links and more. That's it for Cue the Music. See you next time.